0: Life Podcast, we truly hope you'll be inspired and challenged today. Now, let's dive into this message with the family at Pleasant Ridge. We're going to be in the book of Colossians here uh, this morning, Colossians chapter number three. You know, one of the good things here about as we go through verse by verse, uh, there should never be any question on, well, gee, I wonder what Mike is going to be teaching on today, right? And uh, if you're reading ahead, which I hope you are, um, you should kind of know that uh, one of the things that we're going to be talking about today is anger. Now, if you're already nudging your your spouse and going, "Uh uh-huh, good, yes, yes, all right. um, I think this is something for all of us um, because, believe it or not, all of us deal with anger. Sometimes we think that it's um, an angry person is one that... uh, you know uh, gets all excited and starts yelling and shouting and breaking things, but uh, you know anger can also be displayed in a um, way when we are not going to talk, we're going to just seethe inside like a like a boiling pot, you know um, those are those are all other ways of uh, of how we display anger uh, in our lives. Now, if you've been tracking with us here as we've been going through Colossians, uh, remembering the context what we've been talking about. Paul, uh, he just spent a lot of time talking about our position in Christ, our identity in Christ, that we have uh, been uh, crucified with Christ, we've been resurrected to new life in Jesus, and um, then he begins hitting home, and he starts talking some things that, okay, look, this is true about you, you've been resurrected with Christ, you've been raised with him, now... Take an examination. Take an examination of your life, an inventory of your life, of things you need to be putting away. Because if this is true about you, then in your life you need to start allowing the gospel to have its transforming work and be putting away certain sins uh, in your life. And uh, we talked about uh, a couple weeks ago about sexual immorality, those types of things that you need to be putting away. And uh, then Paul just continues on to his list here, uh, verse 7 and 8. We'll read these verses here. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. If I can summarize Paul here, uh, I would basically just say, stop being angry. That's what he says. Stop being angry. Uh, easier said than done, right? Uh, but really, how, how do we do that? How are we going to stop being angry? How are we going to put away anger uh, that oftentimes we, we get so uh, overruled by? Uh, in our lives. Um, So, you know, it's another thing to do it. I mean, we can say, we can agree with Paul, we can say, yes, Paul, I agree with you, stop being angry. But it's an entirely different thing to actually do it. You know, it's interesting to note here in the text that Paul never doesn't say, he doesn't say, well, join an anger management class, right? He doesn't write out a prescription for them and say, go get this fulfilled at your local pharmacy to deal with your anger, right? No. He simply tells them and says, stop being angry, because you can stop being angry, because you can put it away. And he simply tells them, put it away. Now, if you're thinking, Mike, well, you know, Paul was writing back then. Uh, You know, people didn't have the problems that we deal with today. I mean, we got so much things that we got to deal with. I mean, I got uh, things I got to go to. I'm being pulled in all these different directions. Uh, I got uh, things at my job I got to deal with. And I got things over here I have to deal with. And then there's the kids. And then there's my husband or my wife, you know. I mean... I got so much to deal with. Well, I would I would say to that that we have to remember that Paul was writing this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. In other words, God was telling Paul exactly what needed to be written. And God who is not God who is out of time, like he lives outside of time, He knows exactly what our heart needs, and he knows exactly how to speak into our situations even today. And so the word of God is still relevant even today, even if we weren't living uh, back in the time when Paul was living. And so the words are still true for us today. Stop being angry, and we can deal with our anger. So we need to remember that the sins that Paul lists are sins that we as believers don't have to live in anymore. We don't have to allow them to control our life or to make a pattern of our life where we are constantly living that way or that uh, we are allowing those things to have rule and authority in our life because we can remember our position and our identity in Jesus Christ that we can stop allowing sinful anger to rule our life because the gospel is transforming us and will continue to transform us as we obey the word of God through the power of the spirit of God and as we yield to that sanctifying work of the word of God and the Holy Spirit in our life. So this is what I'd like for you to take away with you this morning is I can put away my sinful anger because God's word says I can. I can put away my sinful anger because God's word says I can. So let's take note here a few things about this. Number one, what does God's word say about anger? Notice our text again. He says this, In these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. And then he goes on to list the things that we are to be putting away that categorizes a person's life who is controlled by sinful anger. It's important to understand that anger in and of itself is not sinful. Paul tells us here in our text to put away anger. So you might be thinking, well, now, okay, now, Mike, you're contradicting yourself now. You just told us that we need to be putting away anger, but then you just told us now that not all anger is sinful. Well, it sounds like that, but God's Word does make a clear distinction between righteous anger and sinful anger. In Ephesians 4.26, Paul emphatically tells us, and he tells the believers at Ephesus, be angry! but do not sin. So anger is an emotion that God has given us to be used in the right way. Scripture shows us how anger is to be used in the right way. And we see it displayed primarily the way that God uses his anger. Listen to some of these verses. In Psalm 7, 6, Stand up angrily, Lord. Lord. Rise up with raging fury against my enemies. Wake up for my sake and execute the judgment you have decreed for them. The psalmist is writing and he is saying, Lord, stand up angrily. Again, in Psalm 711 teaches us that God is angry with the wicked every day. There's a lot in God's Word that reveals to us about the wrath and the anger of God. 1 Samuel eleven six tells us about an instance when the Holy Spirit came upon Saul and it resulted in great anger that drove him to carry out his work for God. It was used in a righteous way. In the New Testament, we get a glimpse of our Lord Jesus and His anger John 2.17 tells us that his anger ate him up. We learn that Jesus' anger motivated him to drive out the money changers from the house of God. In Mark's gospel account, we read of another instance about our Lord's anger. In Mark 3.5, Mark tells us specifically that Jesus turned on the Pharisees in anger. Now, just to be clear here, Neither God nor Jesus responds or responded in sinful anger, but righteous anger. You say, well, what is righteous anger? Righteous anger is the godly reaction to sin or injustice. Does God have the right to be angry at sin? Yes, because he is totally holy. And it's an attack upon who he is. That he is pure. That he is light. That he is righteous. And so he has every right to be angry with the wicked. And so righteous anger is that anger that results because we we are upset at sin or injustice. God's wrath is his settled opposition against sin. And as believers, if we are going to be like Christ, we then too should be angry and feel hatred towards sin, hypocrisy, and injustice. In fact, when you hear about uh, babies that are being slaughtered in abortion clinics, you should have every right to be angry at that. That is righteous anger, because it's injustice, it's sin, right? We should be angry about things like that. We should be angry about criminals going about without proper punishments. God has given us angry as an energy source to direct towards our problems, not people. It's important to understand that. Secondly, anger may become sinful. In his book, I recommend the book. It's called Uprooting Anger by Robert Jones. And he talks about how to deal with uh, sinful anger. But this is what he says what sinful anger is. He defines anger as our whole personed active response of negative moral judgment. Against a perceived evil. Let me read that to you again. He defines anger as our moral, whole personed, active response of negative moral judgment against a perceived evil. The truth is, oftentimes our perceptions are wrong. Wouldn't you agree? We are blind to what is truly sinful. Deceitful lies or self centered lust really rule us. Sometimes ignorance or impulsiveness twist our perspectives. Many times we call into question other people's motives and pass judgment on them and respond in ungodly attitudes, actions, and words. James 4, 1 through 3, tells us why we often show anger towards others, and it's because of the evil passions that are in our hearts. And they're at war within our hearts. And because we can't get what we want, what do we do? We fight, and we bicker, and we quarrel, and then we sometimes even murder, right? You say, well, I wouldn't murder anybody. what did Jesus say? He said, if you hate somebody, right, You've already committed murder in your heart. We all have these evil passions in our hearts that if someone does something, says something, or for what we perceive as something that violates one of those evil passions, those sinful desires of our hearts, then we have the right to respond in anger. Again, in Ephesians 4.26, we are warned Be angry, but do not sin. Righteous anger can become unrighteous anger in two ways. And here they are. Number one, by venting. Think of uh, blowing up. Think of Mount Vesuvius. You know, hot liquid magma just... You know? You guys ever seen that uh, movie, uh, Inside Out? You know, the little red guy? You know? Just loses his top, right? That's venting. That's that Mount Vesuvius anger where we just blow our top and uh, watch out. Here comes the hot liquid magna come raining down fire and ash and burning everything in its path, right? Another way is by internalizing that anger and by clamming up. Think of a seething pot. Slow burn. It's eating you up inside, and you're internalizing it, and basically what ends up happening is you become embittered. You become very bitter against a person for what you think they did, or you think what they said, or you think that something happened to you. When we blow up, our emotional energies are aimed and fired up at someone else. When we clam up, our emotional energies are released internally. In both of these instances, we are wasting the energy of anger. We are using them in a destructive way and not using them constructively to solve problems. When we blow up, the anger is released towards others or the situation without control. Often it is aimed at a certain person and it it does uh, end up hurting others. When we vent, it can often result the loss of friendships. Often when we vent it, it destroys significant friendships and relationships. There's been a lot of unbiblical advice that has been given in helping people deal with those who vent their anger. Advice such as using pillows, you know, to, you know, or uh, get the dartboard out, honey, put my boss's face on it, you know, uh, type thing. Uh, there's a place actually in uh, Fort Wayne. And it's called All the Rage. And uh, there's also other cities around uh, in the U.S. that, that offer these uh, types of services. But uh, you can go there in Fort Wayne, this place called All the Rage. And for between 15 and 40 minutes, you can have a venting session. And basically, you go into a room and they have it set up. Where they might have uh, dishes, and they have, uh, you know, TVs, and they have furniture, and you go in there with a baseball bat and you vent. It's real. Let me read to you what uh, all the rage has to offer. Okay, this is this is from their website. Are you ready to let loose in this world of frustrations, anxiety, deadlines, and turmoil? We all need a way to de-stress and reset. Admit it. When you're frustrated at work or stressed out over deadlines, nothing sounds as satisfying as just smashing and breaking and rampaging through a china shop. That's where we come in. I would say that such physical venting really encourages the spirit of murder in your heart. It's practice. They go on to say this, Research shows that taking time to de-stress is an important part of a healthy lifestyle, just like diet and exercise. Long-term studies show that venting emotions is an effective, listen to this, short-term way to prevent emotions from being bottled up and allowed to fester. Sad to say, but I'm sure that there's probably Christians that go to such places to vent their anger because they don't know how to deal with it biblically. Fits of rage, uncontrolled emotion resulting in domestic disputes, property damage are at the heart of homes that are being ravaged by people who just need to vent. Got it out of my system there. I feel a lot better now. It's wrong, it's sinful. The reason why venting is sinful is because it goes against what God's word says. Listen to some of these scriptures from Proverbs. Proverbs 29:11: A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. Proverbs 25:28. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Proverbs 19.11 says, Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Proverbs 29.20, Do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Proverbs 29.22, A man of wrath stirs up strife, and one given to anger causes much transgression. Proverbs 14.17, Proverbs 14.17, a man of quick temper acts foolishly and a man of evil devices is hated. Proverbs 14:29. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. Proverbs 15:18. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. Proverbs 19:19. 19, 19, a man of great wrath will pay the penalty. For if you deliver him, you will only have to do it again. Proverbs twenty two twenty four 24 through 25. Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. No wonder why James declared in James 1, 19 through 20. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. You see, when we internalize our anger and when we become a seething pot, our anger becomes sinful because we violate the command in Ephesians 4.27, do not let the sun go down on your anger. This internalizing of our anger becomes really a slow burn. It's just you're boiling inside. It's a seething pot. And when we internalize it by clamming up, we hold on to it, leads to bitterness and resentment. And so sinful anger is a real problem that can consume us if we are not putting it away. You say, Mike, do you deal with sinful anger? Absolutely I do. You say, what makes you angry? Come over to my house. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, I. I. You know, I get angry when when people criticize me. It's real. I get I get angry when people question my motives. I get angry when I feel that people are saying things wrong about me. Right? These. This is real. This is a real struggle that I have. Right. I get angry at people that are lazy, that just won't do what they should be doing, right? So that's a real battle that I have. And so we have to deal with this anger inside of us. Now, I'm not a Mount Vesuvius blow my top, but I am a internalizer and I clam up and I don't talk and I just kinda, hey, how you doing? I'm doing good. It's real. So how do we put it away? Well, let's let the word of God speak for itself. Secondly, obey God's word and put away all your sinful anger. Notice the command here in verse number 8. You must put them all away. Say it with me. You must put them all away. Look at the person next to you. Say it to them. You must put them all away. Okay? We got to do it. Got to put them away. You know what that means? It means you can put away your sinful anger. In other words, you can control it. You see, Christ died both to make to take away the guilt of our sins and to give us power through the indwelling Spirit the Holy Spirit, to overcome our sins. Paul's simple command here is direct, and it's a very positive command, and it's full of encouragement. He doesn't make exceptions for those with short fuses or for those who have been victimized. He simply tells us, put it away. Now, you might be thinking, but Mike, I I can't control it. I often explode just by thinking about it. Well, let me give you some encouragement and hope in this command that Paul makes here. Number one, God's Word never commands us to do what we cannot do by the power of God's indwelling Spirit. Remember that a command in Scripture is a command from God. And so if we don't obey what God says, we are disobeying God. And so He expects us to do it. Besides Paul's command here and in Ephesians where he says, be angry and do not sin, there are many other direct commands in the Bible, many of which I quoted earlier out of Proverbs. And so God expects us to follow those commands. And since he commands us to do it, we can do it because all believers in Jesus Christ have the indwelling Holy Spirit. Paul reminds us in Romans 8 9, you, however, are not in the flesh but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. So if you have the Spirit of God in you, you can control your sinful anger. Let's allow God's Word really to drive home this point here of uh, controlling your sinful anger. Turn with me over to the uh, book of uh, Galatians. So you're there in Colossians. You're just going to go back a few books. So you hit Philippians and Ephesians. Then you'll come to the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter number 5. And uh, take a look with me at uh, verses 19 through 21. So Galatians 5, verses 19 through 21. Now Paul's going to make a distinction here between the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. Look what he says, verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident. You can see them. They're evident. What are they, Paul? Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy. Notice this, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, he's not saying if you fall prey to this, or you struggle with this, that you're not going to heaven, he's saying, look, if you have a continual life pattern of this and there's no repentance, there's no desire to change, you are deceiving yourself. You're not going to heaven. You don't know the Lord. You never knew the Lord. So that's what he's saying. He's warning you about this. Okay? Now look what he says. He counters this with the... With the he counters the deeds of the flesh with the fruit of the Spirit. Okay? And these fruits of the Spirit are opposite of sinful anger. Look what he says in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, goodness. What's this one? Self-control. Against such things there is no law. And so these fruits of the Spirit tell us This is what you need to be looking for. This is what you need to be striving for in your life. Self-control. Gentleness, goodness, love, patience, kindness, right? All of these things. And so this passage gives us a great look at what we are capable of when we do not control our anger and what the fruit of the Spirit is capable of when it is at work in our lives. Now, how do I get from operating in the deeds of the flesh to allowing the fruits of the Spirit to be operating in my life. Well, Paul gives us another command to do. Take a look at verse number 16. Look what he says. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You have to be Spirit-filled. You have to allow the Spirit of God to control you. So while it may be humanly impossible to control your anger, if you'll confess it as sin and you learn to walk in the spirit in obedience to God, you can control it or else God's word is not true. We can control our sinful anger. I like the word fruit here in Galatians because it implies that it is a growth process, right? Fruit, it's growth. I mean, does anybody plant an orange tree and the next day you go out and say, wow, look at that, look at all those oranges on there. It's a continual process. This is our sanctifying process in Christ, right? We're we're allowing the Word of God to transform us, and as we're growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord, Savior Jesus Christ, as we're obeying Scripture and we're obeying the Spirit of God, the fruit of the Spirit comes naturally, and it's a growth process. It's steady. So they require nurture and attention. Yeah, but if the second you feel anger welling up inside of you, you stop long enough to recognize it as sin, you can yield to the Spirit and rely on His strength, and you will see increasing victories over your anger. Another reason why I know we can control our sinful anger is we also know that we can control it because we all have controlled it when we wanted to. Every single one of us in here has controlled our anger when we needed to, let me give you a scenario you're yelling, you're screaming, you're Mount Vesuvius, you know things are going crazy inside. telephone rings. Uh, hello Hi. We could do it you're at work, your boss does something, and it just mm, boy, it just eats you up inside. But you know if you blow your top at your boss, you're not going to have a job. What do you do? You control it. You can control it. You can do it. it Take self-discipline. So you keep a lid on it, and you know you can. The world without God offers all kinds of help to help pe- helping people control their anger. There's uh, things that have been written in magazines for. People that do not know the Lord that here, 10 steps to help you control your anger, right? You can control your anger. And if the world can do it, how much more should you and I who claim the name of Jesus Christ, who claim Christ, how much more shall you and I be able to control our anger? We can. Note specifically what we are supposed to be putting away. Paul lists five things specifically. Notice also how these things begin within, okay, The anger within, and then it comes out, okay? And there's a progression here, okay? So you always have to deal with your sinful anger from within your heart first, okay? So here's the the things that he says we're supposed to be putting away. Anger and wrath. Now, those uh, two words there are often used uh, 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 simultaneously. And uh, if there is a difference, anger has the nuance of a settled, deep-seated animosity that grows into hatred. Wrath, the word means to boil and refers to outburst of anger. So it started within, and then it comes out in wrath, right? a rage. Uh, Luke 4.28 tells us about that, Acts 19.28, and also Galatians 5.20 are good cross-references for that. Malice is a general term for wickedness. And here refers to having it in for someone. Phrases such as, I'll pay them back. I'll get even. You better watch out. I'll show them. This is having a desire to hurt, offend, or annoy someone. So you are so upset at the individual that you would go to lengths to just... (laughs) <laughs> okay, that's, that's the idea. Uh, you're, you're wanting to do something back to them. Slander is the word used for blasphemy against God, which means to damage God's honor or reputation. But Paul uses the word here to speak against someone by tearing down their reputation. You make them look bad and yourself look good. Oftentimes, when we are upset with someone because they said something, did something, we will talk about that person with others to tear down their reputation. And he uses these words obscene talk or abusive speech. This means using insults, whether profanity or not. You idiot. You moron. Are you stupid or something? Well, that was a dumb idea, right? This is, this is using slanderous speech. This is, this is obscene talk. This is abusive speech. Um, it's the opposite of words that build up the other person and give him grace. Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths but only such is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. I challenge you to write that verse down, keep it with you on a note card, and I challenge you to speak grace into people's lives. Build them up. Okay? Speak things that are edifying to them. Speak words of encouragement, grace, and words that build up. Our anger usually works its way out in these angry words that tear into the other person. But Paul's command shows that we don't have to yell or use foul language that attacks the one that we're angry at. We can control our tongue even when we're angry to bring grace and healing. Okay, Mike, I know I have a problem with my anger. What practical steps do I need to take to put it away? That's a great question. We'll pick this up next week promise you it's going to be good, okay? It's going to be really good, okay? I have out there in the foyer, I have some resources here for you, uh, some things about how to handle your sinful anger, and I want to encourage you, this is not handling any type of, of sin problem in our life. It's not a one-and-done type thing, Okay? It requires you walking in the Spirit. It requires you putting away certain things and putting on certain things. And uh, these resources here are some uh, things that can help you get your mind around what the Bible says about anger, what I should be doing to control my sinful anger, and uh, hope that will be a help to you. Um, I want to have John Sparks come, and he's going to share a testimony here uh, with us. And uh, John and I, we've met uh, once a week, off and on, sometimes, here and there. But uh, I wanted to, him to share a testimony here that hope hope would be a help and encouragement to you.
1: So, as Mike has been preaching, I've been uh, writing some notes about this as just kind of reacting to some of the things that uh, he was preaching about and that we've talked about. Um, anger has been a lifelong battle for me. Um, And I am a, in my anger, I am a sinful revealer, not a sinful concealer. I wish that I didn't have such an obvious uh, major battle with sin, one that is so apparent to everybody. Uh, Fortunately, as a uh, teacher, coach, husband, and father, I don't have many opportunities for this to shine forth. I've known for a long time that the way that I expressed my anger was wrong. Okay, I have been loud, aggressive, rude. I have thrown and hit things. Um, I have done the things that clearly express my anger to myself and to other people. But I've been told that, okay, it's okay to be angry or at least I felt this way. It's okay to be angry. I know that anger is not wrong all the time, but the way that you express your anger is wrong. But I've never really been able to consistently do that correct expression of anger. As I've spent time with Mike, as we've been reading through that book uh, that he recommended today, it really is the best book on anger I've read. Um, The biggest revelation to me was that my anger was because of something that I perceived as wrong. It was it was my issue. That I had put myself as God. And that, in reality, it wasn't how I channeled my anger, it was the fact that I was angry. That someone had inconvenienced me. That this standard, whatever this standard was, that this project that I was working on with my hands, putting together some sort of shelf that I needed to for my wife or whatever, and it was taking me far too long, um, that this standard that I had created, that it wasn't working like I said it should work, was an incorrect standard that I had put myself in as God. I should never have to repeat myself to correct my children or my students or players, that, someone, that no one else should make me ever look bad, that I should not be inconvenienced in any way, and that if that happened, then that standard was not met and there had been injustice and I was going to take it out in anger. I have set myself up as God and the ultimate judge and authority and there was no way that you should cross me. So the revelation and understanding that I can't channel this anger, I can't be okay with it, because the anger itself is wrong, that, that awareness really changed how I approached this. And it was really freeing to me. Um. I I understood so much more of, of of how I should respond instead. When people sin, they are not sinning against me. They are sinning against the holy God. And it is not my job to enact judgment on them or on this fallen world. I can instead give up my anger because I'm not responsible for maintaining the standard. I'm just being inconvenienced. I'm realizing that my anger is most often against those that are lower in the pecking order than I am. I'm realizing that I have a double standard. Don't get me wrong, I get mad at myself. I get mad at inanimate things. But I'm, I'm starting to become more and more aware of these things and, and what's happening here. And I'm, and I'm evaluating, when does, when does this happen? Why does this happen? And I can look at a situation and say, okay, this is, this is what I decided was right. And how, do I, how should I have responded instead? Who is really being wronged here? I've had some times uh, in, of, I, this, like I said, this has been a lifelong struggle. I've had some times of real growth in this. Um, I've had some times where um, <laughs> there has been some aggression. And I think the thing that's, that I've started to notice here just going through this book is that I can, I can evaluate and, and see those times... And change. I've had also some opportunities where I've clearly been attacked and clearly been personally um, wronged and yet not responded in anger. I've had some success in some of these cases. Um, And it's been good to see how um, giving up that anger has not only changed the situation, but it's changed my attitude about the situation. It's not just the results that are better. It's it's the whole um, spirit within the, that situation has been much different. Don't get me wrong. still fall, fail plenty as I correct my children. Um, but I, I definitely have seen some growth in this and feel like there is a chance to not just Uh, channel that anger, but like the book says, to really uproot it and have a completely different perspective on this that allows me to see that um, I am not God. And, you know, as much as I would um, like to trade my uh, area of sin and weakness for something else, it is a constant reminder of how much I need God. God.
0: so much for for sharing that john appreciate it um and you know if you're if you're struggling with things like this you know that's what uh you know we're here to help one another right i mean and any one of us elders here would be more than happy to pray with you and to counsel with you and to direct you towards god's word and and uh the lord and what his word says